fall series. We've been already spending now a few weeks talking about the Ten Commands. One of the things that we've been trying to do is make the case that they're, these were not simply restrictive words that were you know, kind of given by a God who's just trying to keep people from things and trying to tell us all the things we shouldn't do. But it, they were actually given by the Lord to help his people. Um, to give them a guideline and, and a way of approaching life that would produce um, blessing. And God, God gave his people who had no guiding principles, principles to live by, that if they were implemented, would produce an expansion of life. And so it's important that we think about that. You know, we talked about how the first two commands have obviously a negative side to them. You know, you shall not do this. He said, you shall have no other gods before you but me. Right? And we talked about how that was the negative, the warning. Don't do that. But the positive side, the flip side to that was, you get me. I give you, I give you myself. And of course, that was most evidence when he gave us his son. And then the, you know, the second command, don't make any image that misrepresents me. Don't do that. Don't make an idol um, and worship it. And he said, basically what the Lord is saying, but know me as I am. I want to to be known as I am. And then this command, which we, we see here in verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. To take the name of the Lord in vain is to misuse that name, to use it in a way that is either derogatory or improper. It's to demean it, um, to use it profanely, to take something profane is to take something sacred, use it in an inappropriate way. Obviously, if you think about it, that's where our word profanity comes from. It's connected to this idea. The fact of the matter is the Lord wanted his people to love his name and to honor his name because his name represented who he was, as our names represent who we are. Jesus himself in the Lord's Prayer, think about the Lord's Prayer, prayer given to the disciples. They said, Lord, could you show us how to pray? We've been watching you. And he gave them this prayer. Sometimes it's called the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes it's called the Disciples' Prayer. But remember how it starts? Many of us have heard it in our younger days and all through our youth, but our Father who is in heaven, right? Hallowed be your name. What does that mean? May your name be holy, set apart, uniquely, uniquely centered in my life. You are different, and I acknowledge that. Jesus said that we, how, it was important how we talk about God, right? So think about it. The Lord's prayer begins with a connection to this third command. It is the very thing Jesus was getting at. Honor the Lord's name in your life. Now, let's be honest. We live in the midst of a culture where it's the, where the Lord's name being, being taken in vain or used as a, a, a swear word or just ill-spoken of is so commonplace that we almost just assume it as a reality. It's, we, it almost doesn't affect us. It almost doesn't phase us. I mean, it's everywhere. We hear it all the time, um, you know, the Lord's name being damned, the the Lord's name being misused, the Lord's name being used almost habitually as, as a profanity. You think about that for a moment. The name of Jesus is continually used. I mean, it's spoken of all the time and, and many times by people who unthinkingly just kind of say it and use it and, as filler. And, and I want to suggest that not, not a lot of them don't even necessarily always realize what they're even saying. It's, it's just part of the vernacular. It's part of the way of communicating. It's part of a long string of other you know, words that are used, and, and nothing is thought of it. And I thought that, wow, you know, how does the Lord feel to have his name every day um, and every second and every probably millisecond of every second of every day defamed, dishonored, 
uh, spoken ill against is stunning when you really think about it. I mean, how does it hurt us when our name is, is spoken of evilly? It's sad. It's sad. It must break his heart. Now, you know, that, and that's part of the, part, that's connected here. Now, certainly it would be an easy play to t talking about this commandment to say, let's just uh, focus on, you know, people who take the Lord's name in vain. And that would be easy. But I actually think of that as being more like uh, oftentimes what Jesus talked about when he was on the cross, when they were, you know, rejoicing over his death and his suffering as he was splayed out there as a, as between two thieves, a criminal dying for a criminal race, strung out, splayed on display, naked, ashamed, vulnerable. And in that place, people laughing him to scorn, rejoicing in his pain. It's pretty intense if you think about it. But you know what Jesus said? Remember the prayer he uttered? He, had, he said seven things at least that are recorded on the cross. But one of those kind of stuck shocks us a little bit because Jesus, in the midst of all of that, said, he prayed for them. He said, Father, forgive them. Why? He said, because they don't really know what they're doing. Now, wait a second. They did know what they were, they, they knew exactly what they were doing. This was what they wanted to do. But Jesus said, you know what? They really don't understand what they're saying. And I think, actually, a lot of people who use the Lord's name in vain actually really, I'm not saying it justifies it, nor is it a good thing, but I'm going to say that a lot of people don't even really think of it that way. Just kind of use it. And I really actually think the Lord, uh, uh, <laughs> there's a certain degree of compassion there, even though it's sad and it's awful and it's wrong, and we get that. But I actually would like us to think of this in a slightly different way, because I want to talk about it from the standpoint of a follower of Jesus. And I want to say that um, what I one of the things that matters to the Lord are the words that we speak. And his name had to do with being spoken. In fact, in Psalm 19, it says, let the, the psalmist says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, what, be acceptable to you, O God. So I'm gonna, what I would like to do is look at this command through the lens of why our words matter as followers of Jesus. And I want to interact with it and move through it. So let me just put on the board just to begin as a beginning launching point under this overarching heading of why our words matter and then intersecting that with this commandment to honor his name is I want to suggest that our words are important and significant. Why? Because particularly um, in, in unguarded moments, but certainly not exclusively, our words can form and do form a window into our heart and into our soul. That our words are actually like an opening of a window that shows what we are on the inside. We just sang about on the inside out. Well, Jesus, think about this. The reason I can say that is Jesus said something in Luke 6. He said, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. He's saying is the words can reveal what is inside of us. And, and over time, it can actually reveal a character. Our words inevitably declare our character. They reveal what is in our soul, particularly when they're unguarded. And, and, and just what comes out of us on a daily basis reflects what is actually inside of us. Our words tell a story about us. And I'm not talking about, you know, words that, that, that we're kind of carefully calculating to create an image. I'm just talking about really who, how words reflect who we are, what's important to us, um, our boundaries. One of the things I do tell people when we're starting to follow Jesus is that if this is working right, it's going to challenge um, your speech patterns. It will. 
it will show up. Now, it's not the only way it shows up, and it may not even be the biggest way it shows up, but it's, it's going to show up in the way we talk, the way we, we used to speak compared to how we speak. And it's not about being better than anybody. It's, not about, it's about seeking to speak life-giving, God-honoring words and becoming more and more sensitive to vulgarity and profanity that would otherwise have been a normative part maybe of our lives. But because of the real touch of Jesus in our lives, there's something in us that wants to be increasingly like him. And part of the way it shows up is the way that we express ourselves when we are angry and upset. And increasingly we realize that we are responsible for the words of our mouth. That this same mouth, the Bible says, that praises God, in that the same mouth ought not to in turn curse others. That the two things are actually incongruent. If you read the book of James, it says, how is it possible that a spring can bring forth both sweet water and salty water at the same time? And it spends an entire chapter just talking about the power of the tongue and the capacity of the tongue, although it is a little instrument to do amazing and extraordinary damage. It says that just a little tongue can start a forest fire. Like a, and it's amazing. We're gonna see the words, though. Again, now that's moving into the second piece here. If the first piece is that words reveal what is in our soul, they're a window, then the second piece is this, that our words actually do something even more. They shape our heart. And by the way, just looking at these two things, it's a reminder of why when we talk about God, it does reveal something. Uh, the, the fact is that when someone speaks about the Lord, um, the way they speak about the Lord, it, when they demean his name, it, it, it tends to reflect a heart that it, it, at the very least is ignorant of what it's actually saying. If it, it may even not care about what it's saying, but it, it certainly at the best is not thinking about the implications of using the Lord in an improper way. It's not registering. Um, but then at the same time, if we speak words that honor the Lord and we're honoring him with our lips, then that is revealing something about at least where we aspire to be, that we have a heart that aspires to love and honor him. And in the same way, when it comes to shaping things, and I think all of us understand that our words have impact and power. I mean, it's one of the reasons why we say that when we want to increase an affection for someone or we want our love to grow in a relationship, um, it's how, or we want our love to be affirmed in something. Uh, the, how we speak has an effect. It, it, we, when, whatever we speak tends to uh, enlarge the emotion of what we're speaking inside of us. So that if I say to my son, I love you, or my daughter, I, you know, I, you're so special to me. Or to my wife, you mean so much to me. If I say these things, not just think them, say them, um, Obviously, the goal is to live a life connected to that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But if I just speak that word, there is power in the articulation of that. I mean, words have a way of cementing things in this, at a spiritual level. That's why it's so powerful. It's a powerful dynamic. There is such a, a creative force in words. If you very think about it, even the... How a word comes out of us is an act of creation. In some ways, it reflects our creator. I mean, the very breath of life that is used to frame sounds that create a meaning in a word. Think about it. It's, and it is a distinctly human thing to speak a word that is understood by another. It is certainly a reflection of what the old, the ancient theologians used to call the imago Dei, the image of God that is imprinted in every human being. Where do we get this yearning to create, 
to leave a mark, to love, to communicate. Where does that come from? You know, you go back to Genesis 1. It's really interesting. The Bible talking about how everything starts. You know what it says, interestingly enough? And I've, and it, I've noticed it before. It, it says, and I reread the chapter this morning because I wanted to just double, double check this. But it was like, and it, it, the creation starts to unfold, and it keeps saying, and the Lord said, and the Lord said. The power of the spoken word. Power of the spoken word. It's something that's pretty amazing when you think about it because God didn't, it says, it doesn't say he thought it into existence. Um, he imagined it into existence. It says he spoke it into existence. There is power in the spoken word, which is why as meaningful as contemplative prayer is, as meaningful as it is to worship God with our mind and, and in silence to reflect and to consider and to just en enjoy the Lord's presence and to what, what they would call ruminating and meditating and thinking of him, as meaningful a form of prayer as silent prayer is, there is also a tremendous value and power in speaking out our praise to God. Power in prayer. You read the Psalms. In fact, sometimes just to sing out something, to speak out something, to say something, to speak his name, there is, to, uh, to uh, lovingly speak his name. I love you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Work in my life, Lord. I mean, I, I honor you. I bless you, Lord, with all of my heart. You know, this idea of honoring the Lord, I exalt your name in my life. Again, there it is. To what, we, what we acknowledge, what we speak into, at some level shapes what's inside of us. It's a, it has power. It affects things. It's one of the reasons why the Psalms are filled with declarations that are spoken. And sometimes it's really helpful to have a pattern in our lives where we don't just, you know, read God's word, but we actually speak out his words. And we speak them out as a prayer because it's something coming out of, is it, okay, it is a different dynamic. It's coming out of our being. The power of words. The power of a spoken word. Think about, I'll put Psalm 9 up. It says this, just as an example. And in fact, since I've been encouraging everybody to read, let's all read this together. Can we do that? Just read it from the top, all right? I will, come on. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. Now, what do you notice about those verses is that they're, they have to do with speaking out. Speaking out, singing out. It has to do with expression of, of our being. There's something about that dynamic that is, is very common in the Psalms, but it, the more and more we praise God, the more we honor his name with sincere lips, and again, sincere lips, the more our heart is drawn to him. We talked about this. Remember last week we talked about how we become like the things we worship. How we refer to God impacts our lives. How we talk about him and, and the words that come from our mouth affect who he is to us. The more beautifully we refer to him, the more beautiful he becomes. It's true in any relationship as well. If I speak demeaning, derogatory words, if I focus on the negative and the flaw, <laughs> it's going to have an effect. And that's the third piece here. Not only do our words reveal, our words shape, our words also shape others. That's just a fact. In, in, um, in, in Proverbs 18, 20 and 21, it says this, that the wise words satisfy, like, I like this verse, like a good meal, right? And the right words bring tremendous satisfaction. When someone speaks good words to us at the right time, oh, man, this is it. I just enjoyed that conversation. That was great. I mean, it really blessed me to have this time to, of exchange. And I, your words, sometimes, some people give a, a right words at a right time, 
It's so satisfying at a deep level. It's so meaningful to us. It has such an effect on us, you know. And then, but the Bible goes on to say this in the 21st verse. It says, the tongue can bring what? Death or life. And then I like the last phrase. And those who love to talk will always reap the consequences. So it could be good and it could be bad. Talking has consequence. That's the point. Because there's power. Why? What's the point? Because there's power in words. And so we say, well, I'm not going to say much. But then, look at the, you look at those verses, so much of this passage, you know, I've always thought, and this is something that I just happen to be thinking about, is I noticed that, you know, I would always quote, there's the, the power of the tongue, there's life and death. But I didn't realize that in the context of these two verses where it was actually given, this verse is given, so much of that is positive. Look how much of that is, is more positive. It's talking about the positive effects of good words, that we are to be a people of benediction, good word. We're to be a people who speak words that increasingly reflect a genuine relationship with the Lord that is to play itself out. And part of that is going to be connected to how we praise and reference God. Again, we become like that which we worship. If we want to be like Jesus, we, we need to worship Jesus, honor him in our lives, let our lips declare his name. This is a, a reality. Now, I put this quote in your handout. It's on the bottom of the third column inside. It's from Robert Schuller. He said this, become a positive communicator. Words are not just letters strung together. Words are the incarnation and the stimulators of emotion. And then I like this. A word can be a balm or a bomb. It can be a healing mechanism or destructive. How we doing? How we been? How have our words been? Have our words tended towards life or have our words been tending towards death? Have we fixated on, on what is wrong and therefore um, we have a critical negativity that is beginning to dominate our critical relationships? Or are we, by the grace of God, increasingly, Lord, use, may, our, may the words of my mouth and, and the words of my, that fill my heart, may the meditation of my heart, the words that come out of my lips, may these words be acceptable to you. May, be, may they be life-giving. May, be, may my words be um, a healing agent. Come on now. I think all of us have felt the effects of words in our lives, both good and bad. Some of us at critical times, you know, words have generational consequence sometimes. I mean, some of us have part of our journey with the Lord is working through some words that really damaged us at a critical period in our life. And I'm not just trying to play on something. I mean, I mean, it's true. And words can be tremendously life-giving or they can be very damaging to us. There are critical moments in life where if, if we have words spoken over us, words of affirmation, words of love, if, if we have failed in particular, if we have felt ashamed and someone loves us and speaks life-giving words to us, do you know how, how meaningful that is? Do you know how powerful that is to be told, I love you? You mean something to me? What a powerful dynamic that is. What is it about the way God wired us? Why, why are we affected so much by words? I mean, words can really hurt us and words can actually build something into us that, that went beyond anything we even thought we had. You think about it, contra you know, contrast that with God. I mean, think, if you think about this, the Lord really isn't affected by words spoken against him in the sense that he's not any different than he would be. Every time someone takes his name in vain, every time someone damns his name, it doesn't change who he essentially is. He is, at the end, unshakably firm. At the same time, the Bible is pretty clear that God is especially hurt when his people speak his name poorly and that he is also greatly 
filled with, with some degree of satisfaction when his people honor him. And I don't really get exactly how that works, except to say that when I look in the scriptures of the Old Testament, you see how the Lord pictures himself? He says, he's talking about Israel, and he says, you've wounded me. You've been an unfaithful lover to me. I've given you everything, and, and, and I brought you this land. You didn't deserve it or earn it. I gave it to you. I gave it to you to be a blessing and a light to the nations. And you've turned your back on me like an unfaithful one. You've shamed me. You've gone after other gods, left me behind in the dust. My heart breaks in rage over it. It's powerful. Jesus talked about the same thing. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I've long. You know, Phil said earlier that, you know, we are to gather like chicks. He meant chicks under the hen, uh, under, the, under a hen's wings. Um, that's what he meant. And, and you know, and so this idea of the Lord wanting to gather us together under his wings and to love us and to say, Lord, I want, I want you to walk with me, but you wouldn't have me. You don't want me. You don't want me. <laughs> and there were times where people would say to Jesus, sometimes people who shouldn't have said it, they were people who were not within the sphere of his main focus, centurions, people from a non-Jewish non background, and they would say to Jesus something that would cause his heart to leap. And he would say, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Or there would be a time where he healed someone. He healed 10 lepers and, and only one came back. And Jesus said, and one came back to say, thank you. And Jesus said, where are the rest? What happened? You're the only one. See, it matters. How we talk matters. It matters to the Lord. It makes a difference. But hear me out. And this piece maybe is the most important piece it's not actually in the progression of one, two, three. It's not about how the words reveal our heart. It's not about how words shape our heart. It's not about how words can shape others and how that interacts with this commandment. But I'll tell you something. This next piece is, is very, very important for any of us who are sincere in our desire to honor the Lord with our lives. And that is this, number four, that we break this command every time. Every time we call him our Lord, but we do not do what he says. Someone says, well, I don't really break commandment number three since I don't really, you know, use his name in vain. Well, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, but then you call me Lord, Lord, but then you don't do what I say? I want to suggest that to say we love him, to call him our Lord, and then to disregard him is the worst kind of profanity. And now that puts it back on us. You know, in, in, it's something about it. To, to, to say, Lord, I, I, I am yours. Um, your name means everything to me. I confess your name. I sing about your name. Um, I come to gather under your name, but then when I go outside this place, I don't really live into what you taught. I, it's sort of like a disconnected religious thing. See, the, everything about this is don't disconnect God to something on the side that we just sort of segment away. I, I took care of the religious, spiritual thing. Now I'm on my own. It's about integrating this into the dailiness of our life so that it it's going to challenge us. It's going to stretch us. We're going to have to grow. This is, an, this is a, an expanding thing. It's going to go against the grain of our will sometimes. What happens there? See, honoring his name ultimately has got to show up in our lives. It's got to be more than words. Words are good. We've just been spending a lot of time saying why words matter. But at the end of the day, God wants us to live what we say we profess and believe. 
by his grace. Look with me. Last piece we'll look at, Luke 6. This is where it's found. Jesus says this, and we'll close with this. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Bad tree can't produce good fruit. Tree, verse 44, a tree is identified by its fruit. A tree is known by its fruit. And he talks about the kind of fruit. Figs never gathered you know, from thorn bushes. Grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. In other words, they come from vines. Good person produces good things from their heart. And an, an evil person produces evil things from their treasury of an evil heart. What you say, listen, what you say f- flows from what is in our heart. Did our words reveal what is inside? Ah, there it is. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Therefore, Jesus says, why, and notice, but I, you know, a lot of times we forget where that that statement is connected to, look what follows. It's right out of his statement that the words that we speak reveal where our heart is, that Jesus says, so why do you call me Lord, Lord, but then disregard what I say? Don't do that. This is the worst kind of taking my name in vain. It says, tell me you love me, and then do nothing about it in the real life. He says, I will tell you what I will liken that person unto. And he begins, goes into this next parable. He says, I will liken the person who hears my words and does them to a person who is wise, who builds their house on a rock, recognize the teaching. And when the storms come and the waves rise and the waters rise up and the winds blow, that house will stand. Why? Because it is built upon a rock. Its foundation is sure. But I tell you this, those who hear my words but do not do them, this person, I will, I will liken them to this person who is building their house on a, on a very risky foundation. It, when the storm comes and the waters rise and the floods come, it washes that house away. Why? It falls because its foundation is shakable. I tell you, he says, hear my words and do them. Powerful truth. The Lord wants us to be a people who live, what is he saying? Live with increasing congruence. Live with alignment so that what we say is, 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 is actually showing up in our lives. It become, listen, so it becomes a true confession. Why did Jesus, at least one of the reasons why Jesus had so much authority, and I've said this before, is because there was no gap between his words and his life. It created power. The more we reduce the gap between what we profess and what we actually confess on a daily basis, the more power of God will flow into our lives and through our lives, and it will touch and affect things. Because that life has authority. It is not, it, it, it is going to affect things. God will use it with generational consequence of blessing. You, you, that when this happens in our lives, and now I'm not talking about being perfect, and I'm not, I'm not talking about how we don't struggle. We are gonna look. We are gonna struggle over things. We are gonna fail. I was telling somebody, look, you're gonna, you're gonna, we're all gonna fail. We all experience. We don't always show up the way we're supposed to show up. I've said things I wished I could take them back. I hurt when I shouldn't have hurt. I've done things. I look. That's a fact. That's not the issue here. This is an issue about Lord, help me to increasingly close the gap between what I say I believe. I tell you I love you. I sing about it. I come here and I mean it. It's like I feel like Peter. Lord, you know that I love you. You know it, right? Remember that moment. Jesus. He's but he, he's saying it. But he's going. I know it doesn't look like it. He's as he's saying it. When Jesus forced the issue, didn't he? It's like Peter. Do you love me? Well, why do you have to ask that question right now? Uh, how can I answer that question? I just, I, I just failed. I, you know, I love you. 
I know what I did doesn't seem like it, but I do. Feed my sheep. Be the blessing to others I've called you to be. Strengthen your brothers. Be the blessing. Again, I talked about this a few weeks back. Notice how he makes the connection between if you love me, feed others. Wow. Bless others. Live with you. Okay. Lord. Lord, uh, uh, we are before you this, uh, this day. We come before you as honestly and as openly as we can. We realize that none of us ever get this fully right, but we do want to be a people, not only who, who honor you with, with right words, that, that, especially when we're angry or offended or hurt or wounded, uh, may we not wound in return and, and damage. May our words be healing words. And may you teach us self-control and restraint, which you said that the person who exercises self-control is, is even more mighty than a man who can take a city. May you give us the ability to rule our own spirits by your grace so that we don't lash out in our hurt when the buttons are pushed. But at the same token, Lord, in the same way, Lord, help us to live a life that increasingly is reflective of what we say we believe. Um, I, I pray that you, we need your grace to do it because some of this, Lord, is just... We, um, we, want it. we want people who we work with to see you through us. We would like to have our family members who we love and friends have a chance to know you because of what they see in our lives, Lord. So we need, we need your grace to do it. Would you knit our heart with yours? Would you um, remind us not only how much we are loved, but also the power of loving you and, and how that can show up in our lives? So we just, we just throw ourselves on you, Lord. And we ask that you'd bless our time. Let these words sort of settle into our spirit as we close out the service, as we sing this song, which has to do with knitting our heart to you and giving you our dream. Just pray that you'd bless it as a closing prayer. And also, Lord, bless our time of giving, as many of us do this too. For your name's sake, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.